you're in a hollowed out shell, James. You, you don't you know what your clap does. <laughs> I am a hollowed out shell. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, um, listeners, welcome to the Thirteenth Floor Podcast. Ah. What it is. Here, wait one second. I'm gonna go put Louise in her couch. Oh, she's- oh, so, <laughs> so, dear, so, so, dear, dear listener. Uh, just a few moments ago, I told Cece, I said, "Oh, don't let Louise out. She, why? She'll sit next to me. I make sure she's quiet." I said, "Okay, I'll try to do it for you for editing purposes." How is Louise? She's good. She's healing up. She's oh, good. She doesn't have a cone anymore. Her. Her, she got her stitches taken out. She's look, she's doing well. Good. She just wants to go out in the backyard, but she can't go in the backyard right now because she breaks out of the fence every time she goes out. Oh, yeah. she gun, she guns for it. Yeah. She tries to get out immediately. I don't mm. know what it says about us, but mm. yeah. that's <laughs> what happens. So, James, how have you been? Been doing good. How about you guys? We've been hanging in there. I've got a little bit of a cold, so my uh, nose is just a little sniffly. I got a little snarfly dough. I, I heard I heard you had a big event with one of your spiders, James. Yeah. Oh. Like it's so weird. Like Spice has always been very reclusive anyway. But like she disappeared while sealed her little house up for months. And I started getting worried. I was like, She's she's dead. She's gotta be dead. <laughs> and then uh she was a little and brown, like a generic little brown sling. Uh, that is that's slang for baby spider. Um, and then she just emerged yesterday, gigantic and adult colors, like black velvet, red abdomen, huge. She looks really big in the picture you she sent me. Is. She's like she's like twice what she was. I can just imagine James just minding his own business, walking around his apartment with like his little a little plate of food and a <laughs> green tea in his hand, and then he just looks over and just double take. Whoa, Spice is out. And then he, <laughs> he celebrated. shares his tea with her. Yeah, gives her a little a little drop of tea. Oh, <laughs> a little man. bit of, a little crumpet. So, welcome to womanhood, Spice. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you guys, oh. did we even introduce ourselves? No. <laughs> 13th Florier. I am Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And, and, and dear listener, just remember... James lays down when he records this. Yeah. Yes. Very, <laughs> James very hedonistic like that. He's lounging just like a just like a Roman emperor. Yeah, I, I do. I recline when I eat too. Like it's ridiculous. What? Yeah, so I'm like at Caligula. All times, <laughs> at all times you're horizontal. Most of the time, yeah. You know, <laughs> Another little fun fact: Whenever he records our podcast, he's just wearing a toga. Yeah, <laughs> is that true? Okay, oh, man, I would love to have a restaurant with like benches where people can like literally just do that, like recline and eat. Be awesome, I, James. Do you have like a bench with wheels that you just ride around your apartment? I on? should. I should get one, like hedonism <laughs> bought from Futurama. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Christmas gift idea. Never mm. have to sit up again. Nope. You can just scoot around wherever he pleases. <laughs> um, you guys, <laughs> do we have an icebreaker today? Icebreaker. Icebreaker. Well, if if you could hang out with any uh, magical creature, like a goblin or a gnome or a fairy or what have you, uh, what would you want to hang out with? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, none of those three. Not a goblin. I think a goblin would scare I mean, me a little I, bit. I, I, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'll stick to those. A fairy out of those would probably be the best one because it's the only one that can fly. There are some more lame. They walk around. 
Mm. The fairy could at least transport me to magical places. I don't so think the you'll fairy- probably change your mind when I'm done. Yeah, I don't think the fairy is big enough to transport you. Number one, and also number two, like I kind of think of them as like um, mean. I do too, but guess what? I can crush them between my hands. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm telling you, this guy over here. Who did I marry? We'll see who's the yowza. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be the one true king fairy. I Jesus <laughs> James. Who would you pick? I I would probably go with gnomes. They just seem really chill, and they could teach me how to make uh, magical jewelry. Ooh, Ooh, nothing better than a piece of magical jewelry, James. Right. Would you Would you want them to make you an amulet or a, a ankle bracelet? What <laughs> an ankle friendship bracelet? bracelet. Mm. <laughs> oh man, yeah, like a talisman or something. I think that I would want to hang out with elves. Hmm. Why? Because. For the most part, elves are very similar to just, like, humans. Like, it's just, like, a little community. And if I was hanging out with them, hopefully they'd be nice to me. You know so, I mean? Cece's answer was, I want to live with just normal people yeah. and not have fun. Yeah, I mean, I have pointy ears, so. <laughs> well, yeah. Oof, and I know. hang out with James sometimes. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah, what, are, <laughs> what are we talking about for our, our podcast episode today, you guys? Uh, well, for those of you who've gleaned it from the icebreaker, we are talking about fairies, elves, and gnomes. Oh, yeah. I thought we were talking about chipolopes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Alex has been talking about chipolope a lot lately, James. It's all I think about now. <laughs> you got the chipolope fever. All right. I think that with that, before we hop on into our topics, we ought to just get our announcements out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. You're he, you're he. Announcement time. Alex. Do you think that was exciting for our listeners? <laughs> if we had like a music intro to that, like a you know medieval trumpets or something. Uh, wait, wait, wait! What, what sound was that? You're <laughs> here. Oh, I knew that's what you were doing. Oh my goodness! Oh, Let me pull up our map of listenership to see what part of the world we're gonna say hello to today. James, if they want to submit a topic, where can they send a topic to? They can uh, send at- a topic. <laughs> they can send a topic to either thirteenthfloor.com or they can email us at thirteenth oh thirteenth floor podcast.com or they can send us an email at thirteenth floor podcast at gmail.com. James sounds really confident in his information. Yeah. Like, those were the best announcements I think I've ever heard come from you guys. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Today, we're going to give shout outs to Indonesia. We got some new listeners in Indonesia and also Thailand. And then here in the United States of America, you know what? We're just going to say hello to Oklahoma. Hello. So, Oklahoma. all of you Oklahomians, is what, what is the, what do you call an, an Oklahoman? An Oklahoma, yeah. Okies. You guys, thank you for listening. Thank you, everybody across the globe for listening. Warms our hearts. Yeah, and- you and your pot-shaped state. <laughs> what? It looks like a pot. Look at it. It does. It kind of looks like it's got a little handle. He's talking yeah. about Oklahoma. Yeah. Like you could cook some, uh, make some mashed potatoes on that or something. I wouldn't want to make mashed potatoes. I think I want to make macaroni and cheese. Beans. Ew. <laughs> Gosh. But yeah, we want to thank everybody for your reviews this past week, yeah. too. Because it's always really nice to hear from you guys. Okay. I heard I was going first. Uh, you're going first. Yeah, I claimed today? it. I claimed it. All right. Well, Alex is going to be talking about <laughs> gnomes because, quite frankly, 
Gnomes embarrassed me today. Oh, the gnomes embarrassed you? <laughs> yeah. Yep. They let you I've down. Got a, I've, I've, <laughs> yeah, it let me down. I've got a bone to pick with gnomes. You mm. would think something with so much pop culture and like prolific in like just not everyday life. I don't see a gnome every day, but they are prolific. Travelocity uses the gnome. Heck yes, they do. They're in all kinds of movies, literature, anything. You would have thought that they would have had this profound, really interesting history. Maybe they even started when someone saw something in their dreams or something. No. <laughs> Completely <laughs> fabricated from the get-go. How oh disappointing. Gosh. Fabricated. How disappointing. Fabricated. So there's nothing. They're literally fabricated now because they're plastic. They're prefabricated. there's nothing more exciting about going into a topic with you alex when you say i'm upset because these things are lame i might have a twist at the end thank you but no don't worry (laughs) don't go along with the ride i can't wait for your twist go on tell us about gnomes no ding dong this story that's right that's right (laughs) i'll give you a little twist so gnomes they came up in 1566 as the earliest known use of the word gnome. Ooh. And it was in a book called A Book on Nymphs, Sliffs, Pygmies, and Salamanders. Sylphs. And on the Sylphs. What did I say? Sliffs? I said yeah. Sliffs. <laughs> Sylphs, Pygmies, Salamanders, and the Other Spirits by Paracelsus. Paracelsus. I got it before you got there, James. Oh, oh, oh. Mm, one step behind, like always. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it turns out that this book was actually published after he died, and it was the first use of the word gnome. And he also used the word gnomi uh, as a synonym for, I guess, pygmy. And pygmy. It, classi- it classifies them as like these earth elementals. Essentially, mm-hmm. so they can go underneath the ground. They can travel wherever they want. Kind of how I pictured them. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always pictured them very earthy. I mean, they're always in caves and stuff, and like any type of literature or, we look, or mines, especially. I, think, I picture them living in like little hobbit holes. In the yeah, of yeah, which is spot on. But yeah, they're often guarding mines and underground treasures. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, yeah very fun stuff. But the the word was really a. Uh, Alexander Pope wrote a book called The Rape of the Lock, and it was like this mock epic is what they're calling it, where Hmm. they're kind of transformed into these more celestial creatures that, (laughs) which I thought this was funny. So the, these gnomes were prudish women who were looking out for people who were prudish women now. So they're living another life as a gnome after being a prudish woman. Hmm. You I think you just said, said prudish, prudish like a whole bunch. 30 times. Yeah. 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 So they were prudes. Yeah, they were, they were and prudes. And then they became gnomes. And then they became gnomes, but they looked out for other prudes. Okay. Okay. All right. Prude. prude. <laughs> <laughs> prudes got prudes. <laughs> prudes got prudes. Yeah. Prudes got prudes. All right. But that was just a writing that really kind of ushered in or kept the gnome going. Ooh, through like man. more fairy tales that were really prominent in this era. Now, uh, this writer named, oh my goodness, Nicolas Pierre Henry de Montfaucon de Filaires. That was way closer than it should have been. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, there's a there's a quote from him in his book, the Comte de Gabalis, and it says the earth is filled almost to the center with gnomes of fairies, a people of small stature, the guardians of treasures, of mines, and of precious stones. They are ingenious, friends of men, and easy to be commanded. Now, nice. what does that description sound like? Uh, if you had to picture a gnome and that description, especially the ingenious friends of men and easy to be commanded. A dog. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, when I read that, I pictured Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. See, I was picturing dwarves. Yeah, yeah I was too. I was Which it turns that. out... Is <laughs> you pictured a dog, a friend of man, and easy <laughs> to be commanded. Yeah, I mean, yeah you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, they dig up treasure. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think the reason you and me both thought of <laughs> of dwarves, James, not so much Cece, but okay. we both think of that because they actually inspired the seven dwarves. Ah, right. Yeah, the the seven dwarves are actually. I mean, technically, they're just gnomes. Mm. Do you guys know that Alex played Dopey in a play when he was like in first grade? <laughs> I did. And he had one line. Alex, perform your line for all of our listeners. Yeah, I was Dopey and I had a line, everybody. There's a light in the window. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Good job. M- most of my part included just nothing but physical comedy. Yeah, so technically, you played a gnome. Well, uh, you know, it's a little gray area, but yeah. Kind of. This, I guess it depends on what description you go with. Because, like, the visuals that we really got were from the 19th century of the Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and that type of thing were really pervasive during that time. But the way we think of gnomes, gnomes now, especially, like, garden gnomes with, like, the yeah. Travelocity gnome. Their little pointy hat. The <laughs> Travelocity gnome. That really became a really big trend after World War II. Mm. There were garden gnomes before, but the design that we're really familiar with now really became a trend after World War II, and especially the 60s and 70s. Oh, yeah. They really perfected the gnome design, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And so that's when they actually made the first plastic garden gnomes. Oh. And what, what I thought was interesting, so I tried to look into like, the origins of the garden gnome. Where did, where did this pointy hat come from? Well, mm. when I was trying to research it, I didn't really get a whole lot of concrete answers, but I did find out that you were supposed to respect your garden gnome when you put it in your yard, and you need to treat them nicely. Heck yes. That's so, right. I didn't know. I, I've always been baffled by garden gnomes, but apparently there's a very large community that really cares about their gnomes. And there's even a man that got arrested in France for stealing 170 of them. Why did he want to steal Dang. 170 gnomes? <laughs> Where did he keep them? I don't know, but yeah, he stole a hundred and seventy of them. Wow! Uh, and I, also, I got, a, I got a couple fun facts for you all before I move on to my other part. Do you know what a female gnome is called? A nomet. All right, James. I was thinking no mess or noma. Yep, no, no, no mess or nomide are the two correct answers. CC, oh snap! Once, it, once again, you're wrong. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> But yeah, the the Disney-fied image of the the gnomes is the it, it, they, there's a correlation between dwarves and gnomes. So just know when you see the dwarves, gnomes. Okay. And when you see the gnomes, Snow White and the Seven Gnomes doesn't have quite the same no, ring to it, it. Does it? 
No. Or, now, what if it had been the original title? Would it have a better ring? I'm sure it would, but it's not the original title, so. Mm. It's hard to tell. Maybe, you know what, maybe in a different dimension, that is what it's called. Yeah, it could be. Now, I do have one one more haunting fact before we go ahead. Haunting. There's a gnome parade held in Atlanta. Oh my gosh, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, called the, it's at Atlanta's Inman Park Festival. And there's a whole bunch of one-off parades, but apparently Savannah, Georgia has had a, a few itself. We need to go. Yeah, no. No, this is horrifying. <laughs> what if I disrespect, if, if you disrespect one gnome there, you disrespected a thousand gnomes. Think about the wrath that would come down on you. Well, maybe I just need to go by myself because you would definitely be disrespecting mm. some gnomes. Yeah, without Man. a gnome. When I was really little, I was obsessed with David the Gnome. And even now, I think I kind of strive to live my life like David the Gnome a little bit. Who is and David the Gnome? Is this a made up friend of yours? It was an adorable little cartoon from back in the day. And this is crazy, though. This is crazy. I don't know how they did this to children. The last episode, David and his wife die. Oh, my gosh. We watch it happen. Yes. When they, they when they get too old, when they get too old, they turn into trees. And they were just they turned into trees. And he has this pet fox named Swift, and Swift just starts losing it. Like Swift gets full blown PTSD watching his master and his wife turn into flipping trees. It was horrible. <laughs> oh my god, oh it's crazy. Uh, yeah, like, like imagine imagine if a kid show today. Like imagine if Paw Patrol at the end, like all the dogs just die. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> they all get euthanized. That really yeah. made it made a tremendous impact on your life, didn't it, James? Yeah. Maybe it's why you you've got such a dark outlook on the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what if You're I think right. yeah, they do. They die at the end. I think that maybe, James, <laughs> if you put on a little blue shirt and a red pointy hat in this in the winter when you've got your beard out, you might look a little I bit have like it now. David. Yeah, I'm full Captain your- Caveman. I'm Captain Caveman right now because the flipping barbers right now. It's hard to get into. My hair is as long as it's almost ever been, and I have a beard. I look like Captain Caveman. Well, James, this is your assignment, okay? You're going to put on a blue shirt. You're going to make yourself <laughs> a pointy hat out of a red piece of paper, and we're going to take a picture. I can't wait Sounds to see. Right. That's going to be the easiest Halloween costume that you've ever had, James. Yeah. Good point. Wow. wow. All right, Alex, tell us about the creepy gnome. Oh, okay. Thanks. Spoil it for everybody. Oh, is that right? Oh. Yeah, you just read it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like how you just acted like everybody else could see my notes. <laughs> you also <laughs> talked about it before we start. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there's my plot twist. You un-Shamalan twisted me. Uh, so there are two... I tried to look up some sightings of gnomes, and... There's really not very many one. Actually, I did find one really excellent one on on Reddit before I get into my creepy gnome story. It says, Mm. they are real. I saw one, minus the hat, when I was a kid. I don't know what they are, but I saw one. So, those are, Mm. uh, thank you, Liquid Snake 84. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, there is actually a story of gnomes that were appearing in March of 2008, this is called The Creepy Gnome. You all can go look it up. There's video. There's two videos online of The Creepy Gnome. Of course, they're blurry. This is early cell phones, but let's just be real. It's because they caught something mythical on the camera. Always. It's always blurry. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And teens were involved in both instances. 
So maybe they like to show mm-hmm. themselves to kids. I don't know. So these kids were hanging out in Argentina and they, and they were native to Argentina. They were like vacationing or something like that. And so they see this, they're in this area and these people are walking by. And when they walk by this little thing, makes this like barking sound. It's more like more malicious kind of sounding. Yeah. Like Glenn would say. Um, And then everybody starts running and you see this thing walk out of the shadows and walk back in. Now, later in that video, they see another one and there's something really interesting about this gnome that I wouldn't have thought if this is fake, it's a weird way to do it. They walk sideways. They walk sideways. Like, like in a side shuffle almost Mm, crab people. Yeah. Like crab people. So it's weird. It, it, they have the hat. They've got the little gnome hat. And <laughs> they're obviously dark outlines because what video would give us actual information? And it just walks sideways. And it's really odd. It's really odd. And then this other guy, 200 miles away, uh, his name was Jose Alvarez. He's out with friends. And he sees it too. He says he looks over and it looks like something's coming through the grass. And. It starts, they think it's a dog, and then it comes out, and it's just this gnome walking sideways right in front of them. There's a pretty clear video. I mean, clear in quotes, but it's decently mm-hmm. clear in it. So enough to like be a little disconcerting. Will it give me nightmares? <laughs> Possibly. Ooh, neat. But yeah, they, they film it. They run away. It, it's your typical encounter. With one of these things, <laughs> typical. Your typical encounter with them, like like any. <laughs> it's your typical gnome encounter, <laughs> yeah. CC. Okay. No, but it's your typical. I ran into a monster encounter where you get blurry video. Hey, 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 hey. Listen, you need you don't respect the gnomes. Don't call them monsters. Yes, I love how you said you were disappointed by gnomes, and yet you talked for twenty five minutes about gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think twenty of that was talking about how disappointing they were. <laughs> no, we were talking about James and that red hat. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but someone actually looked at this footage, a uh, professor named by the name of Alagando Alvarez at the University de Santiago del Estero. And they said that the footage was genuine. Ooh, so it wasn't tampered with? It wasn't now, like CGI? S- Snopes disagrees. But mm-hmm. Alagando Alvarez says that the footage, they deemed it as genuine. And the other weird thing about this is about a couple, well, hundreds of people came forward saying they saw something similar after this story came out, which we see with UFOs, big feet sightings. Yeah. <laughs> but they said the most worrying thing is that the... I guess General Guemes is mayor. So I guess that's the location, General Guemes. Their mayor and the police chief in the area said that they had known about the creepy gnomes for 20 years. They just didn't tell anybody? <laughs> yes. What? Yeah, they admitted. What, is it like an in-office secret? You get sworn in and they're like, listen, <laughs> we got something important to tell yeah. you. Yeah, and so they're like, oh, yeah, yeah we, we, we've known about those. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about those creepy little things that walk sideways barking. Well, at least they haven't attacked anybody. I, I think all... Uh, yeah, at least they haven't talked... Well, if they did, maybe they're dead and we don't know. Oh my goodness, Alex, mm. it's dark. Yeah, but I think that was interesting. It sounds like some people kind of joking around to me. Uh, I would. There's two videos again, Creepy Gnomes. 
they both look like they're in the same setting. So if you see a video that's not like just pretty much brown at night, then that's not the right video. So check it out. I want to see it. Is it up here? Do you have it? Uh, right now, we're just going to listen to it on the podcast. How long is it? It's yeah. just a few Pull seconds. It up, Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> 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 oh wait, this is a uh, how did gnomes get their hat? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> CC will give you her live reactions if they're interesting. Oh my god, <laughs> that's the no, name. It's coming out. It's coming out. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't like that. I yeah. really don't like that. You know what it kind of looks like? It kind of looks like Patrick Star. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. He oh looks like no, Patrick Star. I am. I don't like the way he shuffles to the side. That was mm. that was made me uncomfortable. Yeah. We need to start a dance craze called the Gnome Shuffle. Oh, yeah. I like it. Ooh, everybody send us your, your version of the Gnome Shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, it's my turn. Go. All right, guys. Let me pull up my notes. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about elves, baby. Let's talk about you. Dude. Okay. Elves. Elves, you guys. I'm going to be talking about elves today. My source says there's a lot of information out there on elves. Well, I'm glad you got some. Yeah, there's. I took all your information. So I got information from National Geographic, the BBC, the New York Times, LiveScience.com, LiveAbout.com, The Atlantic, and TheElfSchool.com. Mm. Ooh. So I feel like everyone, even, even if they don't really know about elves, has at least some preconceived notion of what they are. Yeah. Right? That's like gnomes. Like gnomes. Yeah. And yeah. my first thought on elves is they, you know, they've got little pointy ears and they wear little shoes with bells on the ends of them. And some of them help make presents at the North Pole with Santa. The, oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes I also think of Orlando Bloom as a handsome elf in Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. Dreamy. <laughs> yeah. And then also the dark elves and Thor. <laughs> oh, not so dreamy. Malachi. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew deep down in my heart of hearts that there was a lot more to elves than that. Oh. But my goodness, James, I did not realize how dark they could actually be. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's literally dark elves, this, this Fartelfenheim or whatever the heck they're oh, called. Oh, man. They can oh, get, that's where they're from. That's they right. can get really dark. So elves has, have obviously been around for a very long time, especially in European folklore. Norse, Scandinavian, Germany, and per Wikipedia, the term elf really popped up in Germanic language a long, long time ago. And elves, basically like these little human-like cryptids with magical powers. And in Germanic language, elf apparently originally meant white being. Oh. And it was a popular word way back in the day, but eventually it kind of got flooded out by alternative words for elves, like zwerg which means dwarf in German, and Haldra, or hidden being in Scandinavia. Hmm. Yeah, because elves are often seen as these invisible, shifty little shapeshifters. Oh. Yeah, they can shapeshift. And they know how to blend in, and they can be helpful, but for the most part, they're known for being vengeful little pests. They like to play tricks on people, <laughs> or worse, oh. abducting children 
Oh, I like my gnomes now. They're very nice. They yeah. just kind of sat around in the mm. dirt. If you piss off an elf, yeah. it's going to steal your kid. And then also, sometimes they're a little, like, you know, little sexual deviants. Oh, well. Not good. <laughs> well. Not good. Well. That, and you know what? This research really... That sounded like a grandmother <laughs> uh, describing. Yeah, that's what cracked me up the most was how she's like, she sort of like almost whispered it like she's playing gin rummy and doesn't want the neighbors to hear. Don't want the neighbors to hear. <laughs> but it really, it kind of put a damper on the Christmas elf for me. You know what I mean? I don't want to picture my Christmas elves being this mean. But there are... There are some prominent places that still believe in elves, which I'll discuss in a little while. But first, let's talk about how some people claim elves came to be, mm. okay? Per guy mm. named D.L. Ashlemon, who wrote a book about elves called Folk and Fairy Tales, a handbook in Iceland. He wrote that Eve of Adam and Eve. You guys know who she is, right? Mm. Yeah, think of her. Yeah. Mm. Rings a bell. Yeah. God decided to stop by for a visit, but Eve looked at her kids and was like, oh my gosh, y'all are filthy, covered in dirt and stuff. And so she hid them so God wouldn't know that they were dirty. Mm. And God the (laughs) all-knowing knew that she was hiding her dirty kids. And so he was like, what man hides from God, God will hide from man. And that's how elves came to be. The the elves are the hidden children of Eve. Oh. Yeah. So what happened Mm. with the kids? They just became No, they became elves of Iceland. Oh. That yeah. doesn't sound so bad. Iceland sounds nice. Iceland does sound very nice, but God was like, listen, if you're going to hide your dirty kids from me... I'm going to give them pointy I'm ears and send them to Iceland. I'm, I'm going to hide them from you. You're never going to see them again. <laughs> but let's hop into some qualities <laughs> about elves, okay? Just some little factors that kind of come into the... Oh, okay. Yeah, that constitute an elf. Okay, sure. one, they're often, but not always, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really depends on where you're learning about elves. But in Scandinavia, for instance, they're supposedly very nice to look at. And Scandinavia is where uh, Tolkien, apparently, that's where he did a lot of his research on elves. So that's why the elves mm-hmm. in Lord of the Rings are generally seen as blonde hair, beautiful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scandinavian elves. But the women are mm-hmm. said to be pretty. I read in one place that men elves are supposedly a bit old looking. But the women elves are like gorgeous. So mm. kind of the opposite of what happens here on Earth to us humans. <laughs> you guys age with your salt and pepper hair mm. and your chiseled yeah. necks and chins. <laughs> and then us women, here I am slathering anti-aging lotion on my forehead so you won't see my wrinkles. Mm. It's not fair. <laughs> okay, two. They live amongst rocks <laughs> and out in the wilderness. What's so funny, Alex? Dude. anyway um elves can be found all throughout famous literature often living in woodland areas which is kind of how i always pictured them Mm. so that's where you Mm. can find them if you want to find an elf you guys Mm. so like ewoks ewoks no (laughs) they run around in the woods you know what you know what else runs around in woods deer okay Uh, you would never confuse mm. a deer with an ewok or an elf Mm. i don't know oh my gosh but I found some anecdotes of people who claim to have encountered real elves out in the wild on this website called liveabout or liveabout.com. And I cannot attest to the validity of these <laughs> stories. <laughs> but this is how one of them goes, okay? In August 2004, this little kid, he's about 10 years old, and he was having a picnic with his family 
at Pimatuning Park in Pennsylvania. And he wandered off into some nearby woods when all of a sudden he starts to hear his music off in the distance. And he's like, where's that coming from? I must find its source. So he goes further into the woods and he comes to this little clearing and he spots the elf. Pointy ears, green eyes, longer blonde hair. It was like down to his shoulders. And he's just sitting on a tree stump minding his own business. Tiny little fellow. And I personally picture him wearing a little hat with a feather in it, but that's not a part of the story. That's just what I picture in my head when I think of him. But yeah, he's just sitting there and so he's Yankee doodle in your picture. Yankee doodle. Yeah, Cause he puts a feather in his hat. Um, Stuck a feather in his hat. Yeah, it was in Pennsylvania, <laughs> but sorry. Alex. You said it was in Pennsylvania. It was in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Well, you know what I call that elf macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. But the so-called elf asked the human if he would play with him, which sounds like the perfect beginning to a horror movie, mm-hmm. if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets eaten. Yeah, and the elf had a high-pitched voice like a bell, so it was all like, Wanna play? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and the little kid was like, I can't right now. See you later, dude. And he ran off. And the little elf, he said he looked sad for a minute, but then he was all smiles. And he was like, it's okay. We'll play next time. I'll just mm. wait. Yeah. And then he runs off to his family and... The little kid eats his picnic food, a sandwich in my brain with a little side of potato salad. Mm. But later, the kid was like, that was an odd encounter. Did I experience an elf? And so he returned to the spot several times over the years. And at one point, he left a little piece of apple slice for the elf. Mm. Yum. And then he went back the next day to see if it was gone, which number one, a bird would have taken that. Some creature would have taken that. Mm -hmm. But the apple was gone, mm. and in its place was a smooth little pebble. Clearly a gift. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. What did the pebble do? It Does was just... Let him see the future? For the, thanks for the apple. Here's a, a pebble for you. Well, like, if right. I knew that a rock was a good currency, I would have been using it all along. Well, it's a <laughs> gift. Well, I know what to get you for Christmas. I would love a nice pebble. <laughs> 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 okay, so anyways, another elf quality. They're peaceful and live very much like us humans for the most part. They kind of like to mind their own business. They raise families, they hunt and gather food, they farm, they go to church. You guys, elves have organized religion. I bet oh, you didn't know that. No. But they like to keep to themselves, mm-hmm. though some people do claim that if disturbed, they can be very vengeful. And then also, if they encounter a human in dire need of help, like in life or death situation, they might come to the rescue. But I read on one website that a lot of parents, especially like in Europe, they would sometimes suspect that their kid was kidnapped by an elf. Like if all of a sudden their kid starts to get sick and start acting a little bit out of sorts, they're like, uh-oh, an elf came and it's replaced called- my child. But... <laughs> There are lots of people, especially in Iceland, who claim to have either played with elves or at least have seen them. And I read a story from a woman who lived in Iceland, and she says that when she was little, there was a field with a giant rock nearby. And el- you guys, elves love rocks. Like, they're obsessed with rocks. Mm-hmm. It's their little home. So in Iceland, you're just not supposed to disturb any rocks. Mm. Yeah. yeah. If you move into a house, for example, and there's a giant rock in the backyard and you want to move it, sometimes neighbors will, like, yell at their neighbors and scold them. Hmm. They're like, what the hell are you doing, Magnus? What are you doing, Magnus? Magnus. Stop touching the rock. (laughs) Yeah. So people will just leave giant rocks all over the place, which at least they're pretty. At least that's in my mind because 
Mm. Iceland is gorgeous. I want to go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. But the sto- back to the story. When this woman was a little girl, she was playing with her pals and she decided to climb on top of this rock that was near their house. And her friends were like, not a good idea, my friend. And when she jumped off the rock, she bit the inside of her mouth terribly and there was blood everywhere. Mm. And so some people say it was bad luck caused because she disturbed the elves home. Mm. So don't disturb the rocks, you guys. Another elf quality. They're usually pretty short. Obviously, that's how most people picture them. Usually about 36 inches is what I read at most. I do not picture elves being short. I do. I picture them being short. I picture them being tall and slender. Really? Well, that's, that's just because of Tolkien. Yeah. yeah, probably. Well, they're oh, not. Oh, that's just because of Tolkien. Okay. <laughs> and every video game I play. Oh, Based on Tolkien. <laughs> nope. Oh, it wasn't a Lord of the Rings game. This is how Alex grew up thinking of all the little elves that made the toys up at the North Pole. Those are a different brand. Yeah. Those are a different brand of elves. Okay, one other quality of elves. Sometimes <laughs> people will use the term elf. Oh, yeah, this is another thing. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, Alex. Some people will use the terms elf, dwarf, troll, leprechaun, gnome interchangeably. Mm-hmm. It came across a lot of articles that were like, oh, this is about elves. And then I would read a couple sentences and then I'd call them a gnome. And I'm like, well, what am I? T- am I reading about elves or gnomes? There's where all my gnome articles mm-hmm. went. They were all labeled elf. Yeah, they were all labeled <laughs> elves. There's there's a huge overlap between all three of our topics. Like we could we could have a very fun Venn diagram with all the, the overlap. It's wild. So let's talk about Iceland. As of 2017, can you guys guess what percentage of Iceland's population? Some 364,000-ish people. What percentage of them believed in elves? Uh, 99. 99%? Why not? I'm going to say 85. 85? You guys both overshot it. The answer is 54%. Oh. Oh. What? That's that's sad. Yeah. That's, well, it used to. It's been declining over the years. Mm, I wonder why. You guys need more faith in elves. I, that's I right. know. But over the half of the population of Iceland actually believes in elves, or they at least acknowledge that it's possible that they could exist. Mm. They might not necessarily believe in them. It's kind of mm. like you and Ghost Alex. Mm. You're like, I don't believe in mm. them, but they could possibly exist. But I'm going to go there and I'm going to become an elf evangelist or elf evangelist, and I'm going to I'm going to become their number one strongman, and I'm going to devote all my awards to the elves. And get people to believe again. Oh my goodness, oh. James. Well, or, 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 James, you could just crawl underneath a rock naked and then crawl out naked and run around and nothing an elf came out. You just need to side shuffle, James. Just make sure yeah. you side shuffle. But yeah, I think it's a very important distinction to make that people at least just acknowledge the possibility of them existing versus actually believing them in them. But some people out there really claim to have seen elves and they know they exist for realsies. And the belief does appear to be declining over the years, which I mentioned a moment ago, but it is so strong that it's actually been enough to halt road work in its tracks in Iceland. Remember, you guys don't touch the rocks, but several times over the past century, Iceland was planning on building a road through the beautiful Icelandic landscape, right through elf territory. And people protested because you can't just plow through an elf's home. It's Mm. rude. And sure enough, the government actually ended up moving the placement of several roads in order to avoid disturbing the elves or at least disturbing the country's heritage. Uh Yeah, per some government officials, not sure if they really believe in elves or if they just don't want to upset the people who believe in them. But this actually did happen multiple times where they stopped roadwork construction to protect elf territory. 
Wow. Yeah. Another really cool thing about Iceland, it, you can go to elf school while you're there. No joke. Awesome. Yeah, it's a three to four hour class, which we will be going to someday, Alex and James. Yeah. But they teach you all about the hidden little cryptids that call Iceland home, like fairies, elves, gnomes. So I bet you that's where we're going to learn how to really make distinctions between these different types of creatures. But after class, you can also pay a little extra fee to go on a tour to see all of the elf habitats. So I think it's pretty cool. The school is currently closed due to COVID, but it sounds really cool. Mm. So mm. if we ever go, you guys, if, we ever, if we're ever able to leave the country again and travel, we're going to go there. The class costs $64 as of right now, which isn't wow. too bad if you ask me. Mm. Yeah. Before I pass the torch off to James so that he can tell us all about fairies, I do want to leave you guys with one last little elf story having taken place in Mexico, I believe. Mm. Yeah. And I found the story on National Geographic, you guys. My subscription's paying off. Wow. Yeah. Just $2.99 a month, you guys. Okay. So there's a scientist named Guillermo de Anda, and he works in caves and flooded caves. That's kind of like his area of expertise. He's usually looking for – he's an archaeologist that looks into Mayan culture. Mm. Yeah, an underwater archaeologist, which just sounds like a rad job if you ask me. Mm. So (laughs) he's carrying out this little study in an underwater cave. So he's lowered down into the hole by his little colleagues. He's surrounded by water just looking around and all of a sudden he hears a splash. So he's like, who's here? And then nobody answers. And then he hears more splashes. And they're pretty big splashes. They're big enough Mm. to cause waves around him. I've heard this. I've seen this movie. Oh, my gosh. But... (laughs) If, I, if that happened to me, I would hightail it out of there. I'd be like, nope, I'm getting the heck out of here. There's splashes. He's like, maybe it could be an alligator or something. It wasn't an alligator, you guys. You want to know what it was? An elf? <laughs> According to the Mayan yeah. helpers that were at the site, they were like, ooh, you encountered the Alushes. Oh. Yeah, which is essentially like, they're like little elves who like to cause havoc if you make them upset. And in Maya culture... Alushes are said to be the size of children, but with adult features, which sounds horrifying to me. But Guillermo invaded their home, so they played tricks on him. So the Mayan helpers told him, you need to make the Alushes happy. And do you guys know what makes Alushes happy? Why? They like the cigarettes and the liquor. (laughs) (laughs) So every time Guillermo would go down to the site, he would bring some cigarettes and alcohol. And sure enough, when he started bringing those gifts... For the little elves, all the splashing and all the the oddities ceased. And then there was one day where he forgot to bring it, Mm. and it all started up again. Interesting. Oh, man. Yeah. He was like, I don't know if they're real. You know, I'm a scientist, but there are some things that we just can't explain. So, yeah, little elves. Honestly, they reminded me a little bit more like gnomes when I was reading. That's how I kind of pictured them. But, yeah. that's You guys, that's elves. Nice. Nice. Let's hear about those fairies, James. Hey, hey Alex. I just thought of a joke. Corny joke. Huh. Just thought of it. What? Uh, what are mythological creatures' favorite anime? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What? <laughs> Fairy on Gnomus' Elfangelion. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Oh, okay, on James. To <laughs> oh, man. Okay, fairies. Fairies are a really broad term. Like in modernity, we tend to think of like little either 
children or slender feminine forms with four translucent wings, very like Tinkerbell. Um, that's sort of like where our minds go. And even when we, I asked the uh, icebreaker earlier, that's where you all's minds went. Yep. But fairy is a very broad, broad, broad category to the point that you could almost use it as an umbrella term for goblins and gnomes and, and elves and, and other creatures. Although there's definitely differences. But some, you know, actually in a previous episode, I mentioned Will of the Wisps um, and Foxfire, the, the thing that causes sort of a, well, St. Elmo's fire that people will follow and get lost and ended up being killed. Sure. That's a kind of fairy. Uh, puka, which are shapeshifters in Ireland that look terrifying. There was actually a Hulu really cheesy uh, original Halloween movie uh, based on that. Frank from Donnie Darko was inspired by by Puka sure. as well. So the bottom line is that they're very diverse phenotypically. Okay. And it's funny, another overlap with, with yours, Cece, is there's all these Christian ways of justifying the existence of these things. Mm -hmm. And one of them is the whole, it's it's the exact same story you were talking about with Eve, except they're fairies instead. Yeah. Um, another story about them is that uh, when there was a war in heaven, um, Ultimately, God got fed up and just slammed the gates of heaven shut. And all the ones on the outside were, were turned into demons. And all the ones on the inside from the war were turned into angels. angels. And all the ones who were like on the fence, <laughs> the fence sitters, they were turned into fairies. Huh. And I think this was sort of a way to kind of make a loophole because people had been giving offerings to fairies for a long time. And it was sort of a way of saying like, oh, it's not like totally pagan and it's totally not satanic because I mean, the fairies aren't great. They're, they're not, but they're not evil enough to be demons and they're not nice enough to be angels. So it's okay to leave bread out for them. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> that kind of attitude. But the thing that interests me the most about fairies, aside from their very diverse origins and the fact that they they sort of exist mostly in Celtic mythology, but they're they're also in Germanic and Scandinavian, and to a lesser extent, Latin mythology. Yeah, is just how broad they are uh, physically. Because I can't think of a single instance in folklore, at least, of them looking like the way they do in modern times. Hmm. More often, sometimes they were small humanoids. And that's where fairy forts and fairy circles, like the circles of mushrooms, come from. Uh, but really, more than anything, a good description of a fairy would be a being from the other world. Ooh. Because in, in Celtic mythology, there's another world that overlaps with ours. You could almost argue that it's a dimension, a different dimension that overlaps with that's ours. That's what I said earlier. Yeah. 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 And beings that come from that dimension are fairies. And they vary a lot. Just like imagine if there, if things from our world went over to some other side, like a dragonfly and a person are very different, but they would both be given the same kind of umbrella term. Well, that's a very good way of looking at fairies because they vary so flippantly. And I know I've said that like several times, but the most interesting of all the fairies from, from in my opinion, would be the Tuatha de Danyan, which is pretty much half of the deities in Celtic mythology, like half. Hmm. Um, and 
I mean, they're depicted very similar to just regular people, but they came from some other world and they fought constantly with the Fomorians and they were destructive, the Fomorians. And it reminds me, you see a huge overlap with these fae, these fairies, uh, and they're fighting with the Fomorians as you see in a lot of other European uh, mythologies or Indo-European really. Uh, like uh, we've mentioned this in previous episodes. We've mentioned the wars between the uh, Asir and the Vanir. Yeah. We've mentioned wars between the Asuras and the Devas. We've mentioned wars between the Olympian gods and the Titans that came before them. Well, the, the, there's, the overlap is huge. In fact, to a point, like I was actually a little freaked out when I was researching one of the uh, Fae, Lugus, because if you look at Lugus and you look at his what all he does and, and what all he represents, he's basically Mercury and Brahma, like like a hybrid between the two. So there you see Indian mythology and, and Roman mythology. You see this commonality. Mm. It's it's just downright bizarre. Uh, yeah, the Twelfth Day eventually became the Aushe, which became fairies uh, later on. But yeah, if you look at some of these deities, you, you see this huge correlation between them and Vedic deities and Roman deities and Germanic deities to the point that I would argue that fairies are have less in common with Tinkerbell and more in common with gods. And th- this and we can even see this is this is nuts. We can even see a connection with ancient aliens. Ooh. Because when yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they actually crossed over to this dimension or world or whatever you want to call it, they actually uh, and, and there, here's another interesting overlap, too. You can see an overlap with ancient aliens. You can see an overlap with the Nephilim. Because when the Nephilim came to Earth, they started teaching people things that they had no prior knowledge of, which is something aliens would do. <laughs> well, when they came to uh, Ireland, they went to four cities, Phalius, Gorius, Murius, and Phineas, which to me just sounds like it probably represents the four cardinal directions. But when they were there, they taught them architecture and magic, including raising the dead, art, uh, just things that they otherwise wouldn't know about. And they also, and this to me is very ancient alien, when they came here, they arrived in massive dark clouds that covered the sun for three days and three nights. That scares me. And when they when they arrived, they actually burned the human ships to keep people from from running away from them, so they could you know teach them this information. That again, that sounds like a flipping alien invasion. Let too. me teach you. So, yeah, fairy, fairies are basically aliens. Uh, it's it's wild. Well, so what if people, since huh? since elves are said to be so beautiful with like their blonde hair and stuff, what if they're really just aliens yeah i mean it's it's arguable i mean i hate to sound like the ancient aliens guy you know i'm not saying elves are aliens <laughs> elves are aliens <laughs> but uh <laughs> uh another commonality with elves you were talking about abducting children yeah well in the case of of fairies and to me this also kind of suggests maybe that they're hybrids between people and something else, either pre-humans or, uh, in other words, other hominids or maybe aliens, is uh, they have a tendency, fairies do, to abduct young women because apparently they have fertility issues themselves. I read that. Yeah. And a lot of times what they'll do is they'll take them to to their little fairy land. uh, And one of the ways of doing that, even by accident, is stepping through a fairy ring or a fairy fort. Those rings of mushrooms I was talking about are fairy rings. Um, 
they'll take them there and they'll force them to have children in their world. And any child born in their world will become a fairy, or at the very least will be raised as one. Another weird superstition about fairies, uh, there's a lot of myths about repelling them because fairies are very malicious. Like I would go so far as to say that they're far more malicious than they are benevolent. Mm. And one of the ways of dealing with them is just charms. All sorts of supernatural charms involving good luck tend to actually have less to do with luck itself and more to do with repelling fairies. Anything made out of iron like horseshoes, for example, um, four-leaf clovers, talismans, parts of a rowan tree, different herbs, just a whole bunch of, of methods to avoid earning the ire of a fairy. They even used to think, this is super messed up, <laughs> that tuberculosis was caused by fairies. Oh, my Like, gosh. basically what would happen is, Ooh. yeah. Yeah, if you, if you had TB, what was happening is the fairies were possessing you at night and making you dance at little fairy parties. And then when you came back home, you'd be, you know, you, you burned up all these calories doing that. And that's why you were wasting away. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why, by the way, uh, uh, Rowan, I've previously mentioned that, the reason why it, it prevents the uh, vengeance of a fairy is because they, uh, they are actually sacred to fairies, which is interesting to me because it implies that they do have their own religion, kind of like you were mentioning. Yeah. Of elves. They seem to have some sort of, uh, some sort of spirituality that's unknowable by human understanding. So, yeah, I find that very interesting. Um, and then, of course, even now people make offerings in some places to fairies, which usually has to have something that associates with nature. Fairies don't like things that are unnatural, so Twinkies are out. <laughs> but uh, bread cooked on, on a hearth would be huge. Um, cream and butter would be very preferable. In other words, things that are made in, a, in sort of an old-fashioned way are, are the kinds of things that fairies made like. Made with love. Mm. And one other bizarre one uh, would be... Uh, Rooster crows drive away fairies. And to me, I, I think that's probably a more Christianized version. But that's not to say that all fairies are considered negative. Um, brownies, for example, are usually considered very positive. They're, they're sort of like the, what was that called? The cobbler's elves? They're, they're kind of like that. They do little farm work things for you if you. Huh? <laughs> Did you already say Keebler elves, please? I was going to say Keebler elves. You know, it's funny you <laughs> oh. mentioned cobbler, cobblers <clears throat> because. When I was younger, my mom used to take me to a shoe store in Lexington where they had like a little hollowed out tree mm-hmm. and elves that were like working on shoes, like just little animatronics. And I used to love going there to see mm-hmm. the little elves cool. in the trees. And then when you were leaving, oh, the tree would say your name. Thanks for shopping here, Susie. I got so excited because cool. the elves were talking to me. Oh, that's cute. Nice. Uh, but yeah, like uh, like the brownies, they would do household chores for people if they were, you know, provided with respect and given offerings and things. And and we see a fun little commonality here with like the Harry Potter thing, kind of like house elves. One way of running one off, if if you were trying to get rid of them for whatever reason, maybe you pissed them off, would be to offer them clothes. Yeah, just like and, Dobby. Yeah, but unlike Dobby. Uh, the reason why it tended to offend them is they were actually really good at making clothes. And it's more about the quality of human clothes. Oh. If you did something, if you offered them clothes that was like top notch, it would actually be seen as sort of a positive gift. And another uh, example of positive fairies would be Miller's, which 
the Scottish people believed in. And, and what they tended to do for people, you hear stories about it, is they would do these interesting little miracles that defy physics, uh, kind of like the whole fish and loaves thing, but with flipping fairies. <laughs> like uh, there was one instance, for example, where this fairy gave him a ha- gave a man a handful of uh, meal, that is to say, ground up like flour, and told him like, put this in your uh, stores, and your stores will always be full. So after he did this, every time he would go to a store and empty out however much he wanted, it would just replenish itself. Hmm. And you see similar stories like that with like water and other resources. So that's something that they're sort of known for in Scotland is is providing the means of just sort of like limitless resources. That's pretty cool. Which I see a little bit of a I see a little bit of a, a parallel with that with uh, dwarves in Scandinavian mythology because. Of, what was that ring? There was a magic ring that was given to Freya by by uh, dwarves that would like make it would like split into seven every week. Your guess is, is what I'm talking good. about. No, I ain't got no ring. Ring, ring, mirror, ring. Wall? Ah, oh well. Do you want to know a really good movie about fairies? <laughs> sure. Tinkerbell. I. <laughs> this is probably a little bit embarrassing, but I remember when I was in college, I was house sitting for my aunt and I got scared in the middle of the night because her house was really old. And Uh so I turned on the Disney channel, which is what I used to do if I got really scared in the middle of the night. And so I turned Uh it on and Tinkerbell was on and it was so good. You guys, (laughs) it was a sweet little movie. (laughs) And I actually got so happy at the end of it that I shed a tear. (laughs) Tinkerbell saved spring. I've mentioned before that, that Peter Pan had a tremendous impact on me as a kid because like, the fairy type women with like the the pixie hair, just uh, very very attractive in my opinion. Um, a lot of poets have been inspired by by fairies and, and used them in stories, particularly in romanticism, like stories about fairy funerals and fairy weddings and fairy marches and things like that. I think that in some ways it's a combination of like death omens making their way into literature because that's what some of those things represent, but also just romanticism itself hearkening back to like uh, sort of a, a pre-Christian period like classicism. I think that there's a connection there with sort of the rise of, of fairies in literature again. Mm. And fairies also have a connection, as do dwarves, with uh, the wild hunt, which I think I'm not going to elaborate too much on just because we're going to have to cover the wild hunt sometime. Like it, It's just too much. Yeah. It's too much information. And, you know, I even thought about if there was time, but, like, there's no way. I thought about talking about the Kotlingi fairies, but no. No, there's no way. That's We're going to save that for magical thinking. But I definitely want to cover one last little thing about fairies, and that would be fairy forts. Right? Remember that? You mentioned it. Okay. Fairy forts are kind of like fairy rings. Except, and this is this is the weirdest and most interesting thing. These forts come from originally prehistoric burial mounds, like Kurgans and things like that. Mm-hmm. You guys know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. okay? Like, yeah, well, like we're talking old to the point that they were forgotten, and yet people still take care of them. People tend in in the British Isles to some of these like prehistoric, quasi pagan, very ancient burial sites as well as a few other things that uh, there's this one giant, for example, made of stone that people still tend to because it's just tradition and they just keep 
tending to it. Mm. Well, so I got to do these ring forts, aka fairy forts. A lot of people believed that fairies wouldn't alter them because they had like druid magic in them. But more often than not, these were rings of stones that had just been. They were so old that people had just forgotten what they are. And you can you can find pictures of them all over the internet of these ring forts, uh, or aka fairy forts. But the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because, like with the elves and, and their rocks, CC, disturbing yeah. fairy forts is considered a grave offense and can cause a number of problems. It can cause people to just get sick, drop dead, etc. And as I mean, no, this is just what amazes me. The last case of a fairy fort bringing disaster, somebody disturbing one, was in 2011. Um, wow. There is a business magnate, yeah, business magnate, who was the richest man in Ireland. Richest man in Ireland, 2011, he files bankruptcy. What does he say caused his bankruptcy? Because he moved a fairy <laughs> fort in one of his uh, land development deals. Yeah, so I, to me, that's just the most amazing thing, because when we talk about fairies beyond the, the Tinkerbell aspects, the pop culture components, it's easy to tend to think of them, at least in the United States, as sort of this ancient thing that's been long forgotten. But again, just a few years ago, the richest man in Ireland filed for bankruptcy and said, well, yeah, I pissed off the fairies. Wow. Yep. There, I yeah. mean, there are a lot of people out there who really that. believe in all of these creatures, yeah. which makes them real. I'll shift, blame, I'll shift blame to a gnome if I have to. <laughs> well, you guys, <laughs> you guys, that was fairies, elves, and gnomes. That was a fun episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm a berry. It was a very fun episode. Give me the boss. Let me see. <laughs> Let me see what the drone next week. All right, you um, guys. Okay. <laughs> are you ready to know what we're talking about next week? I'm ready. Next week, we are talking mm-hmm. about famous ufologists. Ooh. Specifically, Ooh. this person, Carson. This came from Carson in, and let me see where he is from. He's from Texas. Texas. Carson, thank you for submitting this topic, but he specifically asked about Bob Lazar. So we're going to talk about Bob Lazar mm-hmm. and some other great ufologists next week. Okay, cool. Yes. If it wasn't for the Bob Lazar part, wouldn't it be funny if it was like a typo and he really meant University of Florida ologists, like people who study eggs? Mm. He's like, that's not what I meant. Well, <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Carson, Man, I'm corny today. I, everybody's corny today. You, Alex, I'm the, our last name. It's very corny. All right, you guys. I think that's it. Do, do you guys have anything else you want to say before we hop off the mic for the night? Fairies Wear Boots by Black Sabbath is an underrated song. There you go. Go give it a listen. Go watch Nomeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it, but go see it. Go see it. All right, you guys. Oh until next time, we hope that you can keep, keep it straight. Right. It's my great cooking fun on iTunes and Amazon and everything. Prudes got prudes.